A desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn. You still Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, today we have a special guest on. Uh, I played golf with him back in the day. He used to be on my high school golf team. Knew him a bit before that. Um, but his name is Jack Pittman. We're very excited to have him on. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jonah. I'm excited. Dude, I'm excited too. We've, tra- we've been trying to figure this out for a while, so I'm glad that we finally... Uh, finally got you scheduled. This is getting. I know. Started. I think. I think we started texting about this like in the middle of quarantine. Yeah. Like, well, like, I, I like literally like whenever I first started this podcast, you, you were like, "Dude, I want to be on sometime," and I'm like, "Yes, we should get you on sometime." And now it's. I think this is going to be episode fifty-one. But That's crazy. We, well, we got you on. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I'm super excited about the topic that we're going to be talking about, though, because this is going to be one of the more advanced topics that I've gone over uh, so far on this podcast. But we're going to be talking about the Mortis gods and kind of their relevance within uh, the Star Wars mythos. And so for those of you who don't know, the Mortis gods were introduced to canon in the Clone Wars. Uh, there's a there's an arc about them where Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka are kind of pulled into this alternate dimension. And that being said, uh, there will be very significant spoilers for that arc of the Clone Wars throughout this episode. So if you haven't watched that or you don't want those spoilers, go ahead and pause this now. Go watch that. Come back. Uh, it'll still be here whenever you do. Um, but without... Oh, wait. Well, first of all, Jack, I need you to give me your brief little profile that I do for all my guests whenever they come on, which is favorite character, favorite movie, favorite show and then uh, lightsaber color. Uh, Okay, so favorite character has to be Han Solo. I mean, he's a badass. Love him. He is, yeah. Uh, What was the second one? I'm sorry. Uh, You're good. Favorite movie. Oh, uh, this was tough. I thought about going episode five, but I love going back and rewatching A New Hope. So do I, dude. Yeah, that has some of the best rewatchability-ness to it. I agree. So that has to be my favorite movie. Uh, yeah. Favorite show is obviously the Clone Wars. If you choose anything different, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Blue, blue would be my favorite lightsaber color, just because awesome. blue is my favorite color. Yeah, dude, respect, respect. And yeah, I mean, I I've heard a lot of. I'd say that the second most popular answer is the Mandalorian over the Clone Wars for favorite show. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of a casual answer. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, but um. But awesome. Okay. And like I said, we're going to be talking a lot about the Clone Wars and a bit about Rebels today. Um, so if you haven't watched those, make sure you catch up on that. Go back to the first few episodes of my podcast, wherever we talk about the best ways to watch the Clone Wars and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's dive into ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? I do, sir. Alrighty, so like I said, today we're going to be talking about the Mortis gods and kind of the relevance that they hold within the Star Wars galaxy because they're a pretty obscure um, entity. And I think they're also super, super interesting. So the, the when they're introduced is Season 3 of The Clone Wars in Episodes 15 through 17. And honestly, when I, I was super young whenever this came out and I 
it just went straight over my head the first time I watched it, like when it was airing on Saturdays. I don't know about you, Jack, but no, yeah, I, I watched I watched all of this as it was as it was airing. Yeah, same. But like as I've grown in both like mental maturity and Star Wars fan maturity, I've started like this is one of my favorite arcs now. Yeah. So I, 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 at first, I didn't understand the significance of it, but in my opinion, this is the most important piece of content in the entire Star Wars universe. Like, of yeah. any piece of content, this has the most impact on the entire universe, in my opinion. Dude, yeah. Well, I, I'd love to hear your your thoughts. Like, your your it doesn't even need to be an elevator pitch, but, like, what you love about this arc and just kind of give your overall thoughts or anything that you, you have. Uh, well, overarching, I think this is kind of the first time that we see Anakin really turning to the dark side, mm-hmm. where you really see that dark side from him in the Clone Wars. And, and Season 3... Is, is kind of the first time the Clone Wars as a whole uh, starts to explore some dark themes, gets a little bit less kitty, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I which completely is, agree. Which is really what I what I love about the Clone Wars is you think, oh, it's just going to be this kind of like uh, show for kids 12 and under. But it, I mean, they, they explore some dark and interesting themes. But back mm-hmm. to Mortis specifically. So Anakin gets drawn into this planet because mm-hmm. the father thinks that he is the chosen one. Yeah. And one thing that is kind of interesting to me is they say in the episode, uh, we haven't, nobody has heard this distress signal for 3,000 years. Yeah. And so that kind of gets me thinking 3,000 years ago, did this happen with another chosen one that they lured into this dimension? Yeah. It's kind of no, a that... thought. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Exactly. And obviously we know that these beings have been uh, like present within Jedi lore and stuff like that. Because once again, like I said, we see them in Rebels again on, on the side of the Lothal Temple. So they, they have been like present in these. And Obi-Wan kind of talks about them like, oh, we've kind of heard about these kinds of beings before. But like they've just been legends. There's no reason to think that they're tr- like they're actually real. And so that that's actually a fantastic point that I didn't even think about. Like, oh, someone else responded to this before. What happened to them? Because that's like right, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. And and obviously there there would be no beacon unless they wanted you there. Exactly. So why do yeah. they want that Jedi there? Obviously, yeah. we'll never know. But no. or maybe we will. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Um. This is a this is a tangent that I just came up with in my brain, but. The, the original script for episode nine by Colin Trevorrow, he had like the final fight between uh, Ray and Kylo taking place on Mortis. I know. I, I read about that. Yeah. That, I, I, I don't know how that would have played out. I don't know either. But I don't yeah, really I, know where he would have gone with that. But I mean, I almost consider the, the sequel trilogy fan fiction. I don't even like <laughs> I, I, yeah. I honestly really hate those movies. I, I do too. Yeah, but it, it's a, li- a little side tangent for me is uh, I just don't get how they didn't have a, a plan for all three movies. They bounced between directors. They rewrote scripts before they even released the first movie. I would have expected them to have a perfect set plan for all three, and they yeah. were jumbled for every single movie. It's it's absurd. Oh, I completely agree, dude. And I think that it's yeah, it's super frustrating, especially as a very uh established star wars fan it feels very disrespectful to the franchise I agree. um 
but just it feels very money hungry and just like oh mm-hmm. we're gonna make Star Wars movies for the sake of making Star Wars movies, not like. Actually, and we're gonna pander to ca- to casual fans. Exactly. Yeah. Or, yeah. No. And I think that there's something to be said about like creating a new fan base. I think that that's, but I think you kind of got to do that while, um, while like retain your original fan base, you know? Yeah. Um, you can't alienate your people that have been there since the beginning, you know, like for the sake of bringing new people in. Exactly. Um, but with that said, let's, I'm going to rope us back into Mortis. Yeah. Let's get back. Into um, it. Uh, I think that a super interesting thing about this arc I don't know if you noticed this at all, but it, it kind of mirrors the movies almost in like pretty subtle ways. Like the beginning, the chosen one is found, and then an apprentice falls to the dark side, but is ultimately redeemed with Ahsoka. And then at the very end, we see Anakin himself fall to the dark side, and then he's redeemed. And then I, I've never thought about it that way. Then yeah, then he ultimately vanquishes the dark side after that, um, and restores balance to Mortis. Um, but it was intentional. I'm sure it was. I mean, George, like, and that's one thing I watched an interview about Dave Filoni kind of talking about this. And it's like one of the reasons that he brought it into rebels is because George Lucas was like, he, he was like directly involved in developing these characters during the clone wars. And mm-hmm. so he's like, okay, I feel comfortable bringing this in because George was involved in creating them. Um, but I, I'm sure they, they, they're always thinking of stuff like that. And I'm sure yeah. that they were like, okay, let's sprinkle in a little bit of, cause like George Lucas is like said, always says that Star Wars is like poetry, it rhymes. So I'm sure that it, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, that, that's crazy. I, I never realized that. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were talking about the chosen one stuff and how you kind of see Anakin's turn to the dark side, but. I I think that dang it we're gonna be going back to the, the the sequels just a little bit but the sequel implication is that Rey is the new chosen one just because she's the one that ultimately like defeated Palpatine and brought balance to the Force yeah but I always like to go back to this one as kind of like my safety blanket being like no Anakin's the chosen one Anakin's um, the chosen one yeah yeah but uh, but yeah anything else that you find rather significant or interesting about this uh i I guess let me think uh episode by episode so that i brought up the point from the first episode where they were called in for the uh, distress signal for the first time in three thousand years oh and then and then they each have their visions right yeah and so i thought it was really interesting to see the obi-wan qui-gon vision yes you see obi-wan kind of like maybe feel some uncertainty about whether or not he was ready to be uh anakin's master yeah maybe a little bit of guilt mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. and then you see ahsoka talking to her future self and uh, i guess i guess you have to think that the sun was controlling ahsoka's vision as well as anakin's yes because now now you see ahsoka's future self planting seeds of doubt about anakin within yeah. ahsoka yeah which um Yes. And I think, well, I think we know for a fact that the son was controlling Anakin's because I'm pretty sure he like 
transforms in front of him. Yes, right? that one for sure. Ahsoka, I don't think we're positive, right? No, I, and I'm not entirely sure. But the the cool thing about Ahsoka's is that like it directly like, um, it. I mean, it foreshadows like you'll never see your future if you remain a student. I mean, the entire reason that she was almost executed for like treason against the Republic was because she was a Jedi because she was with Anakin like he's like I mean and that that might be a little bit of a reach but I think that that might be more what it was talking about less like seeds of doubt and more just like an actual warning yeah like, I but I, um, I can see that but I think it could work either way I mean and we see that up until um season seven of the clone wars where it's like where maul is saying like hey skywalker's like gonna destroy the galaxy essentially and ahsoka still doesn't accept that she's like no like your vision is flawed that's Um, the second craziest arc of the clone wars i completely agree that's my i think that might be my favorite arc like as a whole yeah which is kind of basic but like it's hard. It's to so talk. good, though. It's so good. I'll, I'll yeah. have to come on another time to talk about that. Most definitely, dude. I don't have. Th- that's the issue. Is that other than my brother Jeb, I don't really have anyone that's watched the Clone Wars, and one of my roommates, Sad. John. But it's like everyone. Like I'm just like guys. Y'all will love this. I promise. And they just. It's just like too much of a commitment, which is why I made yeah. my roadmap through the Clone Wars, where it's like it hits the most important episodes, um, including Mortis, but uh. But yeah, no, and I think that, I think that that's something to be said. It's like, it, it, it's almost like trying to like disillusion Ahsoka out of her like, kind of blind loyalty to Anakin, being like, hey, this guy, this guy's kind of dangerous. Maybe you should watch your back around him. I think that that might have almost been, what it was. It's like you've seen him, and how he operates sometimes. That could be a red flag. So if you if we're thinking that it's a legitimate warning. Maybe it yeah. isn't the son, maybe it's the father, or maybe it's just a force vision not influenced I, by anyone. I think that that's probably what it is, yeah. If, if we're going down that train of thought. And it could also be just the son planting doubts as well. But uh, I think that, I, I like that it's kind of left pretty ambiguous um, yeah. and kind of open to interpretation. I think that's one of my favorite parts about this arc. Um, I is that, agree. Yeah, it's there aren't like solid answers it's very fluid um so should we get into the most important vision of course so anakin sees uh shmi yeah and you know i i think that this is really where i see anakin in this arc turn to the dark side like Mm -hmm. i mean it really it really rattles him yeah it does yeah and i think it's so creepy it still kind of creeps me out to this day it's super creepy yeah i think that the mood is set super well with like the, the storm outside and everything and I, it's there's something super super unsettling about it and little side note again shmi is played by her actual like whoever played shmi and i don't remember her name in the movies but the same actress voices her in this arc same thing with liam neeson returning as qui-gon oh, which really? i think which I think just adds a whole new layer of authenticity to it. Yeah, that's um, a good little tidbit. I didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, but no, I love that vision just because, yeah. it's and I, I've never been able to tell what the sun as Shmi 
says to him at the very end about Padme. Uh, what what does he say again? What what's the quote? I don't know. It's like it, he's talking about Padme and essentially saying like it's not your I I don't remember if I'm being completely honest because I don't know what he says. But it's um, something negative about Padme. Well, okay, I'm trying to think back. I know I know it doesn't Anakin like admit something to Shmi or or he's like he's like apologizing. He's like he's like I couldn't save you. Yeah. And then he also like he also says that I killed so many to avenge you, which is like that that way. Right. And then he also admits Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. Then he also admits um to having a wife, like right off the bat. He's like, I've had a wife, I like I have a wife, you've met her. And then I think that the son says something like, she is not your destiny. And then Anakin says, but I love her. And then his voice starts to get kind of weird and I can't really tell what he says. But I think that the son actually says like something along the lines of like, I'm your fate or something like that. Yeah, that's super interesting. Well, we might have to go yeah. back and see exactly what he says. But um, No, 100%. Yeah. So uh, again, with Anakin in this vision talking about his mom saying, I, I couldn't save you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just feeding into his obsession about which is going to lead to him turning to try to save Padme. Yeah, 100%. And that's one thing that I've kind of talked about in the past that I think is super sad and really admirable about Anakin is that eventually he becomes power hungry, but um, he always starts out his quest for power because of people that he cares about. Like they're very pure reasons. And like, even in this arc, whenever we see him turn to the dark side and join the sun in the last episode, it's because he's trying to prevent himself from hurting people in the future. Right. Like, cause he sees the vision and may I just say that vision is one of my favorite parts of the entire show. Whenever the sun shows him the future and we just see glimpses, um, from, I know you, you hear, you hear like, you were my brother, Anakin. Yeah. And the the Vader breathing. That's such at the, at the very end, it just like the little Vader silhouette just kind of comes into focus for a little bit and then come, goes back away with the little Imperial March in the background. Yeah, that's an it awesome. Sounds, it's so amazing and so well done. Um, and I, but I, but then ultimately he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do all these terrible things. And the sun's like, we can prevent that from happening. And like, and it's like, all right, I'm in. If I, if I don't hurt these people, at least not in that way, I'm in. Right. So the sun is definitely manipulating Anakin, but in a roundabout way, Anakin is turning to the dark side to prevent himself from going to the dark side. Exactly. No, 100%. Yeah. But yeah. And it's, and it's in the service of protecting those he cares about kind of like how in Revenge of the Sith, it's in order to save Padme. And so it's, it's not even about him like ascending to greatness. It's him like, okay, this is the only way that I can see I can protect these people that I care on the topic of the last episode, so uh, we see that eventually the son gets uh, the dagger and is going to try to kill his father, but yeah. uh, the sister jumps in the way. Yeah, and... so that, that's in the second episode. Oh, oh, my bad. No, you're good. So, uh, okay, so then the sister uh, uh, kind of like gives her life energy to save Ahsoka. Yes. And so there, I think that Anakin kind of realizes, okay, you can save somebody's life. 
Yeah. And realizes, okay, I can do this with Padme. I just need somebody to show me how. That's true. And I, yeah, I've never, I'd never thought about that at all, actually. That's super interesting. Because, yeah, I'm sure that that's definitely something that went through his mind. It's like, okay, I've done this before. I just need to know how. Like, I don't know how I did that, just because that was kind of under the influence of the Father and obviously these, like, godlike beings. Right. But that's actually a really good point. Yeah. No. And so I, I think it's things like that that really provide the context we need for Anakin's character going into Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Because jumping from episodes two to three, I, I mean, I was kind of like, without seeing the Clone Wars, okay, I mean, how did Anakin just snap to the dark side like that? I the Clone agree. Wars just provides so much needed context. I completely agree, dude. And yeah. I really think that this is where it starts, which is one of the reasons it, it's just such a significant piece of uh, Star Wars content. I completely, dude. Yeah, and the Clone Wars provides, like you said, so much good content, like context for Anakin. And yeah. I've said that in previous episodes, and like it shows like his anger issues, his issues with the Council, his insecurities about his relationship with Padme like all these different things and you can kind of see how it was a slow burn for him to get to where he was in Revenge of the Sith rather than like just a quick 10-year turnaround or four-year turnaround and then all of a sudden and it's like a 10-minute turnaround in the movie actually it's like it barely any time at all I know um, it's like when uh I mean Palpatine immediately brings up uh saving padme and uh anakin just without a doubt jumps to it and wants to yeah. do it and i think that uh the mortis arc and him seeing ahsoka uh, ahsoka's life saved mm-hmm. yeah again i think that that's one of the reasons that he just immediately uh falls for palpatine yeah no i, I completely agree yeah. yeah and do you know anything about abeloth the mother um are you talking about the no actually i I don't she's well i don't know too too much about her but i watched legends though right it's legends that's why i wasn't going to talk about it too too much but i was going to bring it up because she's technically like you know there's the father the daughter the son and she's the mother but she's Mm -hmm. like not one of them she's like a mortal being that kind of wandered into their realm and became this like monster of dark side energy and she's super super creepy i don't know look up a picture of her if you want to anyone listening but she's kind of tied into this but i'm not going to go we're not going to really touch on it just because it's not super relevant to canon but i i don't know she's super creepy she's the one with like all the teeth oh you know uh i i think i've seen a picture of her yeah no she's yeah she's really creepy but she's like i think that she has it has something to do with like mind control she's able to like influence people around her like almost uh absolutely it's it's really creepy i don't know but uh i just thought of uh one thing i wanted to talk about before i forget uh so I actually watched this video in preparation for this and okay. the guy was making the case that a lot of people misinterpret the Mortis arc and that a lot of people think that the balance between the light and the dark side of the force is misinterpreted as like a 50, 50 balance when yeah. it's not. And you see that, uh, with, uh, so the sun 
isn't completely consumed by the dark side uh in episode one of this arc yeah right he i mean and then he he turns yes but this guy's argument and i think it's true is that uh the balance of the force comes when the dark side is nearly eliminated because the dark side represents instability and the yeah. light side represents stable calm selfless decision making yeah and so no. when somebody yeah. and this is good for like because i i mean i might assume this as like a first time watcher of star wars that yeah. balancing the force means perfectly equal yeah and i think that that's a lot what a lot of people assume but yeah i mean even you see like in the father who represents balance where it's like okay the daughter represents selfless light side the son represents selfish dark side the father is balanced in the middle he is he airs much more on the light side exactly like, than anything else and i think that that's a really good distinction to draw because yeah i think that um obviously there's i think that the idea of balance is like okay there's always going to be some form of darkness like you're never right. going to fully eradicate it but you can get it to the point where the chaos and the kind of like evil that it fosters is mitigated or minimized to an extent where prosperity is possible just exactly. under yeah and, and you see this in episode six when anakin finally does balance the force by <laughs> killing palpatine and then he uh, ultimately dies yeah so the force is then balanced with palpatine yeah. and vader gone yeah no and i th yeah i think that that's a really really good yeah i think because I, I i see a lot of people poking fun at that where it's like oh anakin did bring balance to the force because at the end of the day they were just two jedi and two sith it's like no not really <laughs> um but but yeah, but I think that it also boils down to, I mean, I think that Sith pound per pound are quite a bit more powerful than Jedi, Definitely. at least one-on-one, -on -one, just because they have a more vast power reserve and they also have less defined morals. Yeah. So they don't have as much holding them back. But um, no, I think that that's a really, really good uh, distinction to draw. I also like that we see Force Lightning in this arc. That's yes or just kind of that but that's the only time that we've seen it other than in star wars visions which isn't canon um but okay I, I have a little tangent I, I i like star wars visions i actually watched all of them like last yeah. week oh awesome. i was i was entertained by all of them it i took me a were, long time to dive in yeah i thought that they were really good i watched them like within the first week that they came out um and i have a full few episodes like i have two episodes that review it um, one is non-spoiler and one is my first episode of the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. I think that's back in episode 44. So if y'all are interested in that, go ahead and check that out. Um, I have my roommate, John Grimes on and my buddy Hamza Al-Asadi on, uh, to talk about that. But, um, yeah, no, Visions is awesome. I think that it's a really good addition to, um, Star Wars and I like that they made it not canon. I think that it gave the creators a lot of room to kind of, um, do whatever they wanted yeah, without it's just friends of Ken. Yeah. And but I think that there are also a lot of great stories that I would love to see more about. Like the Elder, the Ninth Jedi. I think both of those are absolutely spectacular. Um but but yeah, you got anything else to say about that? No, let, let's jump back into more base. Um okay, so 
I want to start talking a little more, uh, unless you got a, anything else about like the Clone Wars stuff. I kind of want to talk about post post Mortis and the Clone Wars stuff. Uh, no, I don't think I have. I, I don't think I have anything else. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is Morai, which is oh, the, you know what? One more point. Okay. Uh, I I also think it, in uh, on the subject of balancing the Force, <laughs> when all three of uh, the Force wielders die, that balances the Force. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's just the force. It's no one manipulating it, no one mm-hmm. interpreting it for their own reasons. It's just the force. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No. That's all yeah. I have. No, no, no worries. That's a great point. Um so the daughter versus Morai. So Morai is the bird that follows Ahsoka in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And we also see it a bit in um at the very end of the Clone Wars. But this I don't remember what the kind of bird is. But it's like it's supposed to represent the daughter allegedly, because it's like the same uh, color scheme and everything, and it just kind of follows Ahsoka around wherever she goes, and it's also seen in the world between worlds. Um, whenever uh, Ezra goes in there, like she's perched on top of a couple yes. of the doorways. I, I, I just was... think that's that's a cool little tie-in. It's super cool, super cool, and, and important. But I, I always thought that um, the daughter is is literally controlling this bird. Like the yeah. the daughter's soul is is inside of the bird. Yeah, I think I think that that's probably what it is. Yeah, it's like a, a almost like a reincarnation of sorts. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we see Morai in the world between worlds, uh, and it, she guides Ezra to save Ahsoka yeah so again she's always watching over ahsoka and so ezra is able to save ahsoka's life when she's fighting darth vader yeah right yeah exactly and so that's super important yeah for a little bit of context if y'all don't remember or haven't watched the world between worlds is at it comes into play at the very end of uh star wars rebels and it's the little like pocket dimension that ezra is able to travel into uh in the wreckage of the uh the jedi temple on lothal um and he does so by like accessing this old uh it's not a tapestry it's more like a a mural and who's on the mural of uh the son the father and the daughter which is why we're talking about it right now because it has some relevance to mortis because uh essentially they're the the gatekeepers of this uh little world between worlds which is not a time traveling type thing per se, but it's the way that Dave Filoni um, explained it was like, it's where everything intersects and comes together. So it's just, it's not exactly like a time travel type thing, but it's just different doorways to different times where you can kind of like see and gain knowledge. It's almost like time doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And Um, it's super, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just saying, it's super cool to like hear different voices um, from across time. And he's like, Dave Filoni said, that's almost just like the wind. Like, that's just kind of like a natural thing where it's like, they're just echoes throughout the entirety of the Star Wars saga, just throughout the throughout the world. But that, that that's all that I have to say. Uh, do, do you watch Star Wars Theory ever? Yeah. Do you like them? I love uh, he has a really yeah. good video where uh, he goes through that entire scene and points out every single voice that's heard. Oh, that's awesome. I'll need to check that out. Yeah, you need to check it out. Because there, there are a lot yeah. of ones. Uh, there, there are a lot of little whispers, I guess they call them, 
that yeah. I, I did not realize were there. Yeah. He, he isolates the sound bites. It's cool. That's super cool. No, I, yeah, I, yeah, I love theory. And I hope that my goal is to get him on this podcast one day and to interview him. Just <laughs> that would be, that's, unreal. My, that's my, that's my long-term goal right now. But I mean, I have that it's, it's not going to happen anytime soon, but yeah, he, he's such a good guy. Though. He's um, awesome. So we talked about the significance of the world between worlds to uh, the Mortis arc. But I also think it's interesting to talk about that Palpatine desperately wants to access this world. Yeah. Which which shows that he doesn't have a great understanding of how it works because Ahsoka has is very like wise in this moment because she understands that, okay, I can't one, I can't stay with you and go with you back out into your own time. I have to go back to where I came from. Mm-hmm. And also you can't save Kanan, and once again, this is all stuff that I got from Dave Filoni's little interview about this, where essentially, like, if Ezra were to save Kanan, then the explosion would have killed Ezra, Hera, Sabine, everyone that Kanan was trying to save. Therefore, Ezra wouldn't have been able to save Kanan, and everything would break, essentially. Right. It's like the butterfly effect. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it was super responsible of Ahsoka to be able to have that sort of self-control and not do that. But um, but yeah, but that, that also just points out how this isn't meant to be like a scapegoat, like time travel thing where it's like, oh, I don't like this. Let's just go into the world between worlds and change that for future. That's not how this works. And I think that that's an important thing to keep the integrity of Star Wars alive definitely yeah it's uh it's so it's so interesting to me that uh when ahsoka was originally fighting vader and i was watching this as it aired i was thinking to myself where i mean where did she go yeah and you see this tie-in in in the last season it's it's really amazing it's so awesome yeah no i and that fight is awesome too but that's a little too off topic um you see half of anakin's face it's so and she and she realizes in the moment Exactly. It's like, oh no, it's so heartbreaking, but it's so good. I, know. Um, I don't have too, too much else to say. Cause I mean, like Dave, Dave Filoni said that he left this once again, pretty intentionally undefined Yeah, just for people to kind of um, interpret it for what they will. And I love that. I love when he does that. Um, but I think that it's a super interesting thing and I hope that we get to see a little more about it later. Um or down the line about either of these things about Mortis, the world between worlds, any of that stuff, because I think that it's super, super trippy and interesting. I think it is too. Yeah. Uh, I just had one more kind of random and specific point. I, uh, I kind of think that the sun uh, is really similar to Anakin Mm -hmm. because remember when the son accidentally killed the daughter? Yeah. He was like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? He was devastated. Yeah. I think you see a lot of that in Anakin down there. I completely agree. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I think just that's right. Yeah. Especially since it's, I don't even know if it, that it could be specifically Padme, but it could also be like just the regret for what he did in general, like to the Jedi, to everything. Yeah. Everyone. Um, which I don't think we see quite as much of that, but definitely regret over Padme. Definitely. And yeah. And he even goes back to, the daughter's grave 
and like mourns over her and like gives her the, the the mother blade and essentially says like you're the only person that i ever loved like i know it's really touching uh yeah. and then you you were speaking to uh how there's a lot of nobility in anakin's character and i think another moment that spoke to that uh oh i think I, okay we, I, we just lost connection for a second i think can you hear me uh, yeah i can hear you okay uh so in I, I guess at the beginning of episode three of this arc they're repairing the ship they're about to leave and i think anakin says we can't just leave mortis in shambles we have yeah. to go do something about it yeah and so i think that's yeah. a really cool anakin moment where he's selfless and obviously i mean you want to leave yeah exactly but uh which which brings me to let's say that they had left and the sun was just in control I wonder what the implications of that would have been. I wonder too. That's something that I was thinking about because I watched the last, I didn't watch the very first episode of the Sark because I've watched that one the most, but I watched the last two last night. And I was actually thinking about that. It's like, what if they had left? And like, I'm sure that the sun would have found a way to escape eventually. And I think, I think well, that was his goal. That was kind of his ultimate goal, right? Yeah, exactly. To just kind of wreak havoc on the galaxy. And so I think that that's a really cool thing to tease out and i think that a marvel or like you know marvel what if i think that a star wars what if show would be pretty pretty dope but theory has one yeah i know yeah yeah the yeah i don't remember what it's called but yeah he does little animated shorts about it yeah it'd be cool if you did an episode like that yeah i know i yeah i can do some theories about that sort of stuff like what if yeah, but at the same time, I feel like the goal of your podcast is more to, like, educate new fans. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, but I, I have, like, some extra segments where I can kind of have fun with it as well. Right. Like, I, like my, my ability to speak does not make you intelligent segment is literally just me, like, chatting for an hour plus with friends about nothing in particular, but we're talking about Star Wars stuff, and it's a little more freeform, a little less topic-based. But those come out once every month on Fridays. Um, last week, actually, was my second episode with Sean and Jeb. Um, but, okay, do you have anything else? Or are we I good to move in? Me. Awesome. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Um, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, mainly because there's so much ambiguity surrounding it. Um, and it's, it's but, it, but at the same time, it's super significant. To the, mm-hmm. to the greater Star Wars story, which I completely agree with. Um, alrighty, so before I let you go, I'm going to give you a little Ranking Master quiz if you're all right with that. So let's move let's into it. Yeah, let's go. You are on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of Master. Alrighty, so uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, essentially what the Rank of Master is, is a quick little three-question quiz that I get to my guests, and they had the opportunity to move up a rank. So you start out as a youngling, then you move up to a Padawan, Knight, and then you have the ability to achieve the rank of Master. And then once you're a Master, you have the ability to challenge me for the rank of Grandmaster, which I achieved in episode 18 uh, when Jeb and Scott gave me a quick little uh, quiz of my own. Uh, basically, there are going to be three questions of ambiguous point values. I kind of go off of vibes. You have the ability to kind of, if you don't know the answer to this a specific question, to kind of talk through it and kind of what you know about the Star Wars adjacent stuff to it. Uh, and just kind of let me know that you know about Star Wars. I can give you some partial credit there. 
Uh, if you need context, you can ask for it. Can't promise that I'll give it to you, but um, you can definitely ask. Uh, and then uh, finally, as, like the Jedi Council in the movies, I will let my personal biases and opinions of you as a person sway whether or not I allow you to go to the next rank. So Jack, are you ready um, to start your youngling now? So you got some pretty easy questions, um, but you ready? Oh, I think I'm ready. This is saying that we lost connection to server. Uh, I'm not getting that on my end. Okay. Well, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we're fine then. Oh, okay. Here we go. You back? Can you yep. hear me? Yes. All right. Dope. All right. Well, I'll, I'll edit that out in post. Okay. Um, alrighty. So let me just set the scene again. Um, so once again, your youngling going to Padawan. You ready? Yes. Alrighty. So if, if there was a bit of a break in the audio, then that's because we had some technical difficulties, but it's all good. Um, so question number one, what is the name of the orange and white droid that is in Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and Star Wars, The Last Jedi, as well as Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Okay, um, Yeah, got it. Um, alrighty. And then question number two, what is the customary color of Sith lightsaber blades? Red. Correct. Uh, and then what is Boba Fett's profession? Um, oh. Uh, are, are you saying like what his answer is or just in general? Like, uh, I mean, in general. I mean, uh, other. Bounty yeah, I was going to say other members of the profession. Uh, Fett, like, or I think Django has a quote that he always says when people ask him what he does. I forgot what it is. I don't know. Well, he said that he's a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. But yeah, I know. I know that. Um, but yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. Well, yeah. Okay. I told you there. I was, I was reading. I was reading into the question too much. And that, that's what a lot of people do. It's all good. Because especially with youngling, youngling, these first few questions are super, super easy. And so people are like, they're expecting me to try to trip them up. But no need. Um, okay. Well, congratulations. You went three for three. That's a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid score. And I think that you have the ability to move on to the rank of Padawan. Uh, congratulations. Um, and so, yeah, next time you come on, you'll have the ability to go up to Knight. And then you just got one more until, uh, until master. But uh, with that being said, that's about all that I have for this episode. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, I can't think of anything else. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, though. I really had a good time. Of course. Well, here, one second. We, we got one more thing, though. And this wouldn't be a proper oh. episode if I didn't leave y'all with a little bit more. Four! Alrighty. Uh, this week's more is that the actor for The Sun, we're staying on topic or on theme for the the mortis gods the the actor that played the sun is named sam whitwer uh who also voices darth maul in the clone wars along with an iconic legends character named galen merrick aka star killer um and he also voiced the emperor in the star killer games so uh so yeah i know sam whitwer's uh a beast and i think that he's really cool and i hope that he does more with maul in the future I didn't know he voiced all those characters. I mean, that, I that is one of my favorite games ever. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I don't know too much about it just because I don't play video games too much. But um, but no, Whitworth's an amazing voice actor. And I think that he does an amazing job with every single one of those characters, at least from what I've seen. But um, alrighty, now we're done. Uh, 
any any final thoughts, Jack? Uh, no final thoughts I can think of involving Star Wars. Just thanks for having me on. We'll have to do it again. Of course, most definitely. I appreciate appreciate you being so eager to come on. That's it was super fun. I'm glad that we finally got this uh, scheduled. And uh, yeah. Um, Alrighty. So yeah, y'all taking your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you and I will see y'all in the next episode, my friends.